Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Well, 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 look who it is. Locked on ACC. Back for February 11th, 2020. It is Tuesday, and I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. You might recall me from FB Schedules and from College Hoops Digest. Here to take you through another program of Locked On ACC. If you want to interact with the program, you can do it on Twitter. Follow us at Locked On ACC. You can also email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. If you want to send us your voice memos, it's kind of like calling into the program, but not really. Just open up the voice recorder on your phone. Record your thoughts about anything ACC related. Try and keep it around a minute. Try and keep it clean. Just send it to us. LockedOnACC at gmail.com. I'm going to try something a little bit different today. We're in day seven of the program, I think. You know how on Twitter and various other places you have all these, you know, like motivational Monday and all these other different hashtags. Uh, Today, I want to go with Transformational Tuesday, at least for part of the program. And part of it is because I was listening back to some of my stuff from Operation Basketball last year. But part of it is... I could use a little motivational boost, a little transformational boost, and I think we probably all could. So I wanted to share with you a couple of clips from last year's Operation Basketball. And it's funny listening back to these now and realizing how prescient the subject was at the time. But Virginia's Tony Bennett talking last year at Operation Basketball, two clips from him. First, he talked about leadership through tough situations. We'll talk about another clip from Tony Bennett in just a minute. But I wanted to share with you first this clip from Tony Bennett talking at last year's ACC Operation Basketball in Charlotte. Funny to listen to it now and to think, A, how he guided his team through a tough situation, and B, just how prescient he really was. So, Virginia's Tony Bennett. Coming back into this building, was it motivating? Was it haunting at all? First time back after last year? Yeah, I have so many different memories of Charlotte. I played for the Hornets. You know, I met my wife. She's not from here, here. Great memories, plain, hard memories. But um, coming back here, you know, obviously the first time, stayed at the Westin. That's where where they put us up. That's where we stayed. Coming in here, um, I think it forces you to to look at some things. I I think we've been, you guys will probably ask this question, so I'll just get out to it, get in front of it. But uh, we've been intentional about realizing I think it's a mistake if you just say well it it happened it was a fluke and sweep it under the rug and not dealing with it Um, I think you have to look at it and grow from it there's a great quote that um, it was a guy that did a TED talk and actually was in Charlottesville you ever want to this guy called the storyteller Uh, an older gentleman was a storyteller he did the did this and there's a quote in it um, where he talked about kind of dealing with something that happened adversity and I've shared it a lot of times to our players um, and it's this idea is if you learn to use it right, it can buy you a ticket to a place you wouldn't have gone any other way. And quite honestly, that's how we and I'm choosing to, to use last year. The success and the praise at the highest level and the historic records and then the humbling, crushing loss at the end. Um, I think if we use it right, just the fact that it happened, it's part of our story. You have to embrace it. There's nothing that's that's not going to change. Um, but as we've talked about, how we respond and how we use it, it's equipping us 
maybe empowering us to 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 go to a place we haven't gone. Maybe that means in basketball. Maybe that means a success in basketball. Maybe it means a situation in life that'll be far, far deeper, greater. Um, and I think that's really important in this process. I, I have no doubt about it. And and that's we've owned that, and we'll continue to own it. I know that people will always bring it up wherever we go. I know that that's part of it, but that's okay. It really is. And um, I still love the game. I still have joy. I still can't wait to coach the guys. Um, and that that's a great truth. That almost frees you up when something that happened that you wish wouldn't have happened and you're still okay, not that it was easy, frees you up to go after it in a better way. And I think our guys understand that. So, again, yeah, walking in here and all that, um, yep, I, oh, I think that's the bench where I sat. <laughs> that's, the spot. Uh, 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 that's where we turned it over. We had, you know, That's where that, that guy was banging threes and we're uh, going on. Um, it's, it, it's stung but it's okay, and because of it, I think we'll be better um, in the long run. And I hope that means basketball-wise, of course, and uh, certainly for other things. You have a roster full of guys, though, and a coaching staff full of guys. Did everyone kind of look at it that way the morning after, or has everybody kind of dealt with it in their own way, and then you kind of come together as a team and say, here's how we are looking at it? Yeah, I mean, it's all numb right after the fact, and you try to, you know, have perspective and all that but no that's that's a process that's things you deal with and um just is unique being obviously the first team in college basketball for that to happen to um but uh in incredible teachable moments and i think everybody deals with different situations in their own way but but certainly collectively as a group um that that's important for it to be addressed and dealt with and that's kind of one of the things we're talking about being united um in our pursuit of this year through through what we're trying to do it has to be a collective effort because you, know, you go through adversity and you go through success and things but um i shared up there um someone sent me a letter that uh it's really a unique letter that claire b who knows who claire b is here who doesn't know who claire b is here they should be in trouble <laughs> coach claire b one of the famous coaches sent a letter to bobby knight um, bobby knight had a historic successful season and i don't know 76 um, almost undefeated, and then they got beat in the NCAA tournament, a crushing loss. And someone had a copy of that letter, and they sent it to me. And one of the things Claire B. wrote to Coach Knight was, you know, basically being strengthened by the very blow that cut you down. But the whole premises of it was is that there's a new year coming. It's a new season. You have new players that you need to run to the starting line, not the finish line. Everybody wants vindication. Oh, you gotta, you got to do this. you got to get back. you got to... No, this is a new team. It doesn't have Isaiah. It doesn't have Devin. doesn't have Ron Sanchez. God dang it. <laughs> but I'm happy for him, who's right here. It was awesome. Um, but um, will we embrace who we are and run to the starting line? And that's all that's guaranteed. We could be terrific this year. We might not be terrific, but it's about running to the starting line. And I, that, that letter was, it was just an interesting letter and that perspective on it. So, um, you know, I think... Uh, I think, like I said, we got guys that understand that, and we'll go after this to the best of our abilities um, and hopefully be good, and it'll be a different-looking team this year for sure. Some incredibly inspirational words there from Tony Bennett. Looking back, again, it's kind of interesting on two fronts there. Looking back at, A, how he maintained such grace in the middle of a really challenging moment, and a lot of people call him hokey, and that's fine. Well, maybe not hokey, but cheesy, corny, whatever else. Sorry, Tech fans. So that's one thing. The other thing I think is just 
seeing how much of a read he had on his team and how he pretty much predicted most of what happened last year. Just wild how all that went down. We'll have some more from Tony Bennett coming up first. Take the first break of the program. We'll come back, get to some more Tony Bennett, look at Duke, Florida State, and oh so much more. You're listening to Locked on ACC. Welcome back. This is Locked on ACC, February 11th, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer of FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. I'm also at Sports Matters on Twitter. We played some stuff from Tony Bennett in the last segment. One more clip I wanted to share of Tony Bennett from last year's Operation Basketball, where he talked about the things that bring him joy and talked about his faith. Again, this is Transformational Tuesday. So clip two of Tony Bennett talking about the things that actually motivate him, along with some other things from last year's ACC Operation Basketball. Um, well, I, I've made my peace with it. I, I can't change what happened. Um, I, um, I think the most important thing I, I learned from that experience is, you know, I, after that game, after the season that we had, it, it kind of uh, sparked something in me. I, I desperately want Virginia and this team that I coach to have a chance to hopefully one day play for a national championship, win a national championship, go to a Final Four. I want to coach in a way. I want to really go at this in the right way. That has inspired me in a way that maybe a, a loss like that only can. And that's important that I have that. But it did something else that I think is as important or more important. Uh, it made me realize if that doesn't happen, I'm still okay. And I think, you know, that's almost freed me up to go after my coaching in this season with this team in a better way and in the right way. Um, what uh, I look at things differently now, actually better from what I've experienced. Um, I, I think if you know you can handle a bad thing or the worst thing that happens and you can still find joy in the game at some point and you realize, yeah, it stings, but it's okay and I made it through it, I think that's worth everything. And I think it does allow you to go after it harder. So. Um, Wish that team, the year we had, I, I hurt for Isaiah and Devin from a basketball standpoint. But there's no question um, knowing that if, if we never, if I can't ever coach in a Final Four, win a national championship, I'll be okay. But boy, do I want to get there. And boy, do I want to do that. I want to have a great regular season and do it each year. That's the goal. Um, and I think I've made my piece. I can't change it. And it is producing something in us that's good. Weeds here or anything or too personal, but is this, this attitude? Is it a matter of faith? Is it a matter of confidence? Yeah. Is it a matter of yeah. belief in yourself? I think um, 100%. It's it's a faith thing. I, I think um, you you have to. You know, it was unbelievable to win like we won, and it was joyful. But it wasn't the end all be all, and it was really painful to lose like we did. Really painful, humbling but it wasn't the end-all, be-all. If you, I talk to our guys a lot about what's your secret of contentment. Uh, if it's only when you're winning, well, that, that's, that's you're going to just want to win more. You'll never win enough. Or if you're driven by what people think, well, when you lose, you're going to be destroyed. Um, and where I find my secret of contentment is in the relationship I have with my, my wife and my kids, even my players. That, that's unconditional. And ultimately, it's based in my faith. And that's everybody's own individual journey. But 
my hope and my faith. This is all temporary. I understand this. This is fleeting. It's, it's worth pursuing in the right way, and that's good. But if you don't have something else that where you find your your contentment away from the game or whatever people say about you or your success, your failure, um, you're, you're going to be torn up inside. And I, and I know that, and I've experienced that. So that's, I think, the perspective that I – that I've learned from this and since you asked I share that and I just want my program and our program to to honor the right things and great success and in, in great failure that's what I want and yeah do I want to pursue a championship without a doubt um, but I know the big picture and that'll never overtake what I heard my dad share a quote when he made it to the final four and I've committed to memory he said they asked him is this the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life and he said maybe from a feeling state euphoria it is um, but he said it doesn't compare with he said faith and family and things like that he said because I know what truly matters it enabled me to enjoy what seems to matter like this and I think you have to start with that so I'm sorry I, but I, I'm a boring person but I can talk about two things forever <laughs> basketball and faith <laughs> those things I love to talk about because that's that's my joy some very cool words there from Virginia's Tony Bennett again looking back at last year's ACC Operation Basketball Only one game last night around the ACC circuit. Duke 70, Florida State 65. Pretty great job by Duke, actually, when you consider the short turnaround, consider how high-powered Florida State has been this year, and you consider coming off of that incredible game they had with Carolina on Saturday. Just three Seminoles in double figures last night. Trent Forrest had 18, Malik Osborne 14, Devin Vassell 11. Forrest snagged nine rebounds, almost had a double-double. Florida State, on the game, just 37.9% from the field, 25 of 66. 16.7% from three, three of 18. And 12 of 20 from the line, 60% for Florida State. Before we move on to Duke, a few quick words from Florida State coach Leonard Hamilton, what he had to say in last night's press conference. We got beat by a team tonight that I thought was a lot more efficient than we were in the execution uh, in the offense. And uh, we, we're normally, I think we're the number one free throw shooting team in the country. And, I mean, I'm sorry, in the league, we didn't shoot well from the three. We didn't shoot, we shoot about 40% in the league from three. We didn't shoot well from the three. We didn't hit our free throws. And, and I think we gave up the offensive rebounds at tough points in the game. And to, look, to Duke's credit, I thought they're their defense had a little something to do with us not being quite as efficient on the offensive end, uh, and we missed some, some threes. I thought we had plenty of opportunities, but I thought each time we faltered, Duke made us pay. And that's what good basketball teams would do. Uh, hopefully we can learn from this. Uh, I thought that uh, there were too many important parts of the game where they got two or three offensive putbacks doing after they had missed. We had plenty of opportunities on layups that rimmed out and we didn't shoot the ball well from the perimeter. When you do when you're inefficient with all three of those areas against a really good basketball team who's really been playing hard at the beginning, <coughs> something bad will happen. So all the credit goes to Duke. Uh, coach had them really, really prepared but from an energy standpoint. And I thought the, the main thing they did, we just didn't do a good job uh, when they did miss doing critical points of uh, uh, coming away with the ball and they really, really Went after the, the offensive rebound very hard, and I thought that may probably made the, the biggest difference in the game. Florida State's Leonard Hamilton there, and he, he brought up one interesting point. 
he talked about offensive rebounding. And just from the way he described it, it would sound as though Duke had a massive advantage in terms of offensive rebounding, second chance points, that kind of thing. Duke had 11 offensive rebounds. They had seven second chance points. Florida State had 17 offensive rebounds, 17 second chance points. But again, it's all about timing. It's about when you get those important putbacks. Just interesting insight into the thought process of Leonard Hamilton. Duke, conversely, had four double-figure scorers. Trey Jones, Jordan Goldwire, 13 apiece. Matthew Hurt. There was a lot of talk going into yesterday's game about how important Hurt was in terms of getting him back on track, having a big game in this one. He only played 18 minutes, but 2 of 4 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 6 of 6 from the line, 12 points for Matthew Hurt. And then yet another double-double for Vernon Carey. Only 19 minutes, but 10 points, 10 boards for Duke's Vernon Carey. Now over to Coach Krzyzewski and his thoughts following last night's game. I, I got good guys, man. I got really good kids. We beat a heck of a team tonight. After beating a heck of a team in an epic game 48 hours before. I don't, I don't know where they got the energy the whole game to, to do this, but... They did. They listened. They fought. We really played good defense. You know, we, you could tell they would, you know, they would tire you out anyway because they keep bringing, they play such good defense. And they have depth. But at the end of the first half, you could tell we were, we were tired. You know, rightfully so. And in the second half, we're kind of holding our own, but when they went ahead 52-50, and instead of waiting for the eight minute, I, you know, we were we were ready to get knocked out, and uh, so we called a timeout. Alex came in, there, and Alex gave us five quick points, and that last 8:29, we were terrific. Uh, we were not tired. They talked. They made plays. Uh, Javin was spectacular. Uh, Matt Hurt, obviously the rebound and the free throws, and then inbounding the ball, no mistakes. Uh, Wendell, who, you know, I don't think any of you in the audience have hit a winning shot in front of 21,000 people, all right, against your arch rival. But if you're 18, how you handle that would be pretty tough. And... He was, not, you know, he had a game like a kid, 18, until the second half, and then that play he made in full court just uh, was spectacular. So they're switching Goldwire to Forrest was a key because uh, Forrest is—he's a big time player, man. I mean, they have big time, but this kid—he's a pro guard. You know, he can defend and get by you and. He's a veteran. You know, he's just, uh, and he and Trey were going back and forth. And that's wearing Trey out. We needed him on offense. And so the switch to put Goldwire on him helped. We did that with Cole Anthony in the last part of the game at Chapel Hill. And that helped us there. So having those two guys being able to have each other's back is, is big. But, uh, you know, they forced a lot of turnovers. I thought. You know, we weren't as strong as we needed to be, but 
but uh, overall, we were pretty damn strong. Words there from Duke's Mike Krzyzewski. One thing he pointed out here, it's complete minutia, but something that stands out to me being an observer of coaches, an observer of the game. He pointed out that one spot where they were at 52-50, and he, he said the words, we were about to get knocked out. You heard that. And he called timeout. That's a sense of connection to his team, knowing his team, knowing the situation, that, that circumstantial awareness that separates a good coach from a great coach. And you see a lot of coaches who will want to just wait for that media timeout. They'll want to just say, you know what, power through this. We'll get to the media. We'll save the timeout for later. K, stop the game at that point, and you saw what happened. So for coaches out there, if you're concerned about whether or not to burn that timeout, if you're concerned about, well, I'll just I'll give it another 30 seconds, let my team power through it, and we'll get to the media, and then everything will be perfect, just note that one bit. That's why K is who he is, and that's why everybody else is who they are. Just three games around the ACC slate tonight. NC State-Syracuse, 7 o'clock over ESPN2. Syracuse minus 5. I really like the orange in this game. I, I think the matchup is incredibly in favor of Syracuse. North Carolina-Wake Forest, 8 o'clock over ACC Network. Carolina minus 2 in the Joel. When was the last time you saw Carolina minus 2 at Wake Forest? They are tonight. And 9 o'clock, the big one, such as it is. 15-8 and eight Notre Dame, 15-7 and seven Virginia in JPJ. Virginia minus 5 against the Irish. That game over ESPN2. So three pretty intriguing games, all for different reasons tonight on the ACC slate. And of course, as we always do, we'll break those down for you tomorrow. Let's go ahead and take the final break of today's program. We'll come back, give you some news from around the ACC and some updates to hashtag GoACC stories from past. This is Locked on ACC. Welcome back to Locked on ACC, February 11th, 2020. We'll ask you to do us a favor. If you like the program, if you like what you're hearing, if you like what we're doing, please let us know at LockedOnACC on Twitter, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. Also, tell your friends. We like having you around. We want more of you. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your business associates, whatever you'd like to do. We would love to have more of you here on LockedOnACC. A couple of quick conference notes. It was announced Earlier today, Duke sophomore guard Trey Jones and Pitt's Justin Champagne picked up the awards from the ACC offices this week. Trey Jones, ACC Player of the Week, Champagne Freshman of the Week. It's the third time for Trey Jones earning Player of the Week honors. The second time in the last three weeks for Champagne picking up the Freshman of the, of the Week award. Jones averaged 23 points per game, five assists per game last week in Boston College and North Carolina victories. This is a crazy statistic. I had not even thought about this, but the league office points out that Trey Jones single-handedly outscored Carolina 18-15 over the final minute of regulation and overtime. That's wild. I, that didn't even occur to me. Champagne, 25 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, and one and a half steals per game. Shot 54.1% from the field last week against Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. The league also notes that Champagne recorded the fourth 30-plus point scoring game by a Pitt freshman 
against Georgia Tech on Saturday. Also had the 20th 2010 game by a Pitt freshman. Champagne second on the team in scoring and fourth among ACC freshmen, 12.6 points a game. Third among ACC freshmen at 7.3 rebounds per game. So Trey Jones, Justin Champagne, your player and freshman of the week in the ACC. The league also published a list of 35 ACC football players who were invited to the NFL Combine. 12 of 14 ACC schools sent players. Miami 8, Clemson 7, Syracuse 4, Virginia 3, Wake Forest 3, Florida State 2, Carolina 2, NC State 2, and BC, Louisville, Pitt, and Virginia Tech with one apiece. Some of the names in that grouping, A.J. Dillon, the bruising running back from B.C., Clemson sent seven, including Tremaine Ankrum, T. Higgins, Tanner Muse, Isaiah Simmons, John Simpson, A.J. Terrell, and Kayvon Wallace. Now, one quick observation on John Simpson. I cover high school sports in South Carolina, as most of you are probably aware at this point, and I stood next to John Simpson on the field after his Fort Dorchester team won a state championship. I am not a uh, miniature individual by any means, uh, fairly tall, and John Simpson made me feel tiny. John Simpson is a massive, massive man. Mackay Becton of Louisville, some of the other names that show up in the uh, the list here. Virginia sent Bryce Hall and Jordan Mack along with Joe Reed. DJ Dallas of Miami in this list. Some interesting names in this list of 35 players invited to the NFL Combine from ACC schools. and That Combine coming up, February 24th through March 1st in Indianapolis. You'll get to see Rich Eisen do his dumb little run in in, uh, in a suit. It's for a good cause, but still played out. The NFL Draft, April 23rd through 25th in Vegas adjacent. As we wind down, I wanted to update a hashtag GoACC story from the past. Yes, we have updates to hashtag GoACC stories. We talked last week about interesting, unique Valentine's gifts. We have another outlet in the ACC footprint offering unique Valentine's gifts. This from Roanoke, Virginia, about a half hour or so from Blacksburg. The Science Museum of Western Virginia is offering you a unique way to celebrate Valentine's Day. For $5, you can rename a Madagascar hissing cockroach after someone. You will choose the name of your critter and receive a personalized e-card to send on to your chosen person. All proceeds go directly to supporting the Madagascar hissing cockroach colony and other animals housed in the museum's living collections. It's called Hisses and Kisses. And I have to share this with you just from the promotional materials. The American cockroach has shown a marketed attraction to alcoholic beverages, especially beer. They are most likely attracted by the alcohol mixed with hops and sugar. Reminds you of your partner? So does a drunken cockroach remind you of your partner? Okay. Name a roach after them this Valentine season with our Hisses and Kisses fundraiser, they say. I'm not going to share the link with you if you really want to name a hissing cockroach after someone, particularly if, <laughs> if there's someone who reminds you of a cockroach because of their alcohol addiction, send us a tweet at LockedOnACC. Speaking of unique Valentine's gifts, Dateline Orlando, Florida, 
the cheesier the gift, the better, right? Red Lobster is daring people to step up their game this year and get away from the cliche Valentine's Day gifts. The restaurant chain is offering limited edition heart-shaped boxes filled with warm Cheddar Bay biscuits. Whether you love or hate the holiday, it's time to embrace the cheesiness, the chain said in a release. Starting right now, you can order a half-dozen Cheddar Bay biscuits to go from RedLobster.com, which can be picked up in the restaurant or conveniently delivered. The custom heart-shaped boxes will be available as an add-on to any Cheddar Bay biscuit to-go order for an additional $1 while supplies last. Whether it's a savory surprise for your sweetheart or a well-deserved treat just for you, Cheddar Bay biscuits are the way to everyone's heart this Valentine's Day, said Sally Setta, president and chief concept officer of Red Lobster. Nothing quite says I love you like biscuits from Red Lobster, they say. Well, that's good. You can give someone the only thing from Red Lobster that's worth eating whatsoever. And, uh, hey, if you want to give your boy a gift for Valentine's Day, that's an idea. Moving on. Two quick stories from ACC territory. Hello, New York. A long-haul trucker who paid his tab at a Niagara Falls Gentleman's Club with counterfeit money has been granted an absolute discharge. Takura Chogo was expected to, <laughs> to stand trial Thursday in Ontario Court of Justice in St. Catharines, on several charges relating to counterfeit money. This, of course, on the Canada side, but close enough. The court heard the Crown's office had several challenges pertaining to the case, such as potential identity issues, and agreed to accept a guilty plea to account of fraud under $5,000. The charge stems from an incident at the Sundowner in September 2018. The court heard Choga, 33, ordered a $255 cognac. I don't drink, but $255 cognac and gave the waitress three $100 U.S. bills. The currency was later determined to be fake. An absolute discharge means a finding of guilt is made, but no conviction is registered. Judge Donald Wolf noted a criminal record may have resulted in employment issues for the trucker, as he would no longer be welcome in the United States. Choga also entered into a 12-month peace bond and agreed to stay away from the Lundy's Lane Club. Just a side comment, I wonder how often uh, adult entertainers are tipped with counterfeit money. I also wonder why in the world somebody would want a $255 cognac. But anyway. And finally, Dateline Brandon, Florida. A Florida man and his furry accomplice were taken into custody by authorities who said the man shoplifted from a store. Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office said Logan Wilson was arrested Wednesday and charged with petty theft and possession of meth, according to WTSP Television. Wilson admitted to stealing $259 worth of items from Bass Pro Shops, deputies said. He was arrested during a traffic stop after he was seen leaving the store. Deputies also took Wilson's four-legged friend into custody. A sheriff's office Facebook post showing an officer holding a small puppy said deputies took care of the cutest accomplice before handing him over to Hillsborough County Animal Services. Animal Services will care for the dog until his owner is released from jail. Animal Services has listed the puppy as pre-adopted. Deputies said that if the owner doesn't claim the dog, it will go up for adoption. It's unclear whether Wilson has an attorney who can comment on his behalf. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're wondering about the cutest thief ever found, poor little puppy. Guy got saddled with a bad human. Now that I've barked up the wrong tree, let's go ahead and bring to a close the February 11th, 2020 episode of Locked on ACC. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Email us, lockedonacc at gmail.com. Tweet us at lockedonacc. Until tomorrow for Wednesday's program, I'm Brian Wilmer. This has been Locked on ACC. Thanks for joining us. Love you.
<laughs> mean it.